Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 7 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. <laughs> yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada-style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Now. All right, hour number two, KT Live, PSBR Law Studios in Las Vegas. Brad Powers on the PSBR Law Hotline. And uh, when we went to break top of the hour, we were talking about the playoff, and Brad and I are on the same page. We both thought Florida State would should get in. And so when you hear you know, ESPN and Stephen A. Smith and all these jokers that you're going to see, look, I get it. There's some football knowledge there, but to me, ESPN's in bed with the SEC. They've been so for a long time, and the SEC has been the best conference. There's no question but this year, when you look at the teams, to me, when you look at the top teams, it's so top-heavy, first off. And you've got LSU. You've got three losses. Oh, by the way, one of them to Florida State for the second year in a row. Okay? That's an LSU team. LSU, uh, they lost to Ole Miss. And Ole Miss, we thought they, that was another good team, right? That was going into the uh, Georgia game with one loss. They lost to Bama. But they got throttled by, you know, 35-plus points. So, okay, how good's Ole Miss? Well, you know what? Offensively, Jackson Dart and company sometimes can uh, get things going, and, and they can roll, and they can get some Ws, but not great. Let's look at Alabama, okay, because they lose week two to Texas, and they lose by 10, but I thought the game was even more dominant. In the trenches, most people that watched that game thought that Texas was by far the better team, and they win the game 34-24, the Longhorns do. And then after that, Bama. They go to South Florida right after that, right? You figure, you know, Saban's going to get them ready. They're going to go down to Tampa. They're just going to bury the Bulls. It was a rainy night, but they, they end up beating them 17-3 in a game that was, you know, a 10-3 game for a long time. Ugly game. They did beat Ole Miss. They beat Mississippi State, who was atrocious. They struggled and trailed. Again in College Station, but they came away late with a 26-20 victory. Then they had a nice 24-3 lead on Arkansas, and they held on at home for a 24-21 win. Right? They trailed LSU, but they had a big second half, probably their best half of football, I thought, during the regular season against LSU, and they win that game 42-28, to and that was key for them, LSU, with two losses, had they won that game, they could st- still could have been in the mix as far as if they were able to take out Georgia in the SEC title game and run the table. But then we saw Bama, like Brad said, the fourth and 31. First of all, it's inexcusable defense by Auburn rushing two guys. And somehow, someway, let's give Milrow credit. It was as perfect a pass with the defense that wasn't being played in the corner, the right corner of the end zone, only a one-on-one with the defender about five yards in front of the guy in the back of the end zone. That makes the catch. But you have nine guys back there on defense. should never have one guy by himself. But is what it is. It's as good a play. Now, you take that away. If you take that play away, is that what we're talking about? Is Alabama there because they beat Georgia? No, it's because they avoided losing to Auburn. Because without that, it doesn't matter if they beat Georgia. They're not going. 
right? And Bama showing that Georgia was vulnerable. And we saw Georgia all year, and I talked about it, with their with their crummy schedule. Uh, Tennessee, Martin, Ball State, UAB, and Georgia Tech. Those are non-conference games. So their signature win was what? Missouri, a game at home that they really struggled in and uh, end up winning 30-21. to 21. Was that their signature win? They struggled at Auburn, too. Only won by a touchdown in a game that they trailed uh, for a lot of that game. And maybe then, then they crushed Tennessee and Knoxville as well. So, the, so what are they telling us? They're telling us, no, no, we're the SEC, so we have to be the best because we've won all these things. Georgia's won the last two years. Alabama's won a ton of national titles. You're right. I get it. And those teams in the past were way better than both Georgia and Alabama this year. I thought Georgia and Alabama, sure, they only had the one loss between them going into that championship game. But at the end of the day, these two teams were not that great. They, to me, they weren't great. They were really good teams, but they weren't great teams. And Milrow was a quarterback that you didn't even know if he was going to get out of the doghouse with Saban and turn things around. And sure, it's the Milrow miracle to beat Auburn. And ironically, that could be a play that ends up not only winning that game, the Iron Bowl, and helping them get into the game that beats Georgia in the championship game, and also, you know, it could get them to a national title. I mean, Bama's good enough. There's no question. You give Saban a month to prepare and then a turnaround another week, he's good enough to beat any of these four teams, these other three teams that are in there. I don't care if it's Texas or Washington or uh, Michigan. Uh, he's good enough to beat all of them with that amount of time. And Milrow has come of age. He's better. But that is still does not excuse what we're talking about here. We're talking about Florida State is a Power 5 team. They have an outstanding defense, right? A great defense. And so what are you going to do? Well, yeah, you're going to struggle in a game with a true freshman going up against that. They didn't even know. All of a sudden, Rodemaker, uh, who came back in the game against Florida, right, closed out that game. Then all of a sudden, literally a day and a half before this game coming up against Louisville, Wait, he's in concussion protocol. What? How could he be in concussion protocol? You put him back in the game, so now all of a sudden he's got symptoms? Okay, maybe it's like whiplash, and they're telling us, okay, he didn't feel the symptoms until, I don't know, a day and a half before this game against Louisville. So, okay, so you want to be safe? Side on caution, I get it. Okay, so Rodemaker doesn't play. So you throw Brock Glenn in there. This kid, no experience really, goes in there does what he has to, took his lumps, got sacked four times, but at the end of the day, they find a way with the defense special teams to come up, and they get the late scores. They put it away by two scores. They cover the spread. They take care of business. They win it 16-6. to They finish 13-0. and You cannot deny them because they're going to have a four-year junior backup Coming back, by the way, Rodemaker on the season, 510 yards, passing five touchdowns, no interceptions. So, and a 163.11 quarterback rating, which is higher than Jordan Travis, the starter, who has a 154.48 for the season. Now, I get it. Travis did a lot of great things. He threw for over 2,700 yards, 20 touchdowns, and two interceptions. But still, you cannot deny a coach like Mike Norvell, because if that's Nick Saban, with a backup quarterback, they're going to give him an opportunity. If that's Kirby Smart after these two years, they're going to give him an opportunity to rely on the team because that's what it is. It's a team, right? It's offense, defense, special teams. It's not just quarterback, okay? I get it if it's an Aaron Rodgers and a guy like that, a guy that's, you know, the main guy, like Jordan Travis. Yes, he's the main guy that makes the offense go. But their defense, if their defense sucked, 
then that's one thing. But still, it's a team game, and that's why I'm so ticked off because it is, it is a power conference, and it's not like Florida State didn't have some scares early on. They beat Boston College 31-29 in a game they trailed much throughout. They actually stole the game against Clemson at the end of the third quarter when they were trailing, and Clemson was driving again. They were down seven or whatever it was, and Deloach makes a play, a strip sack, and returns it for a touchdown. That changed the whole complexion of that game in Death Valley, and they end up winning that game. And subsequently, they end up running the table. And uh, then again, the, do- the defense was dominant against Louisville, and they took care of business. So they answered the bell, and it's a proud program. It's a Bobby Bowden team for years and years and years. And uh, I'll just say, if Bobby Bowden was still alive and say he-, he was in the middle of his coaching tenure, there's no way they denied Florida State. If they had a coach with the name, if Mike Norvell's not a bad coach, he's in his fourth year there at Florida State, but at the end of the day, people were second-guessing him after his second year, like, is this guy going to even be there? They're already talking about Dion when he was, uh, Dion Sanders when he was uh, still there in the uh, HBCU League, so um, I'm just, I'm just thrown for a big loop here, and I'm kind of bummed out. Brad, I'm going to let you weigh in, because I, I was just, uh, you know, going all over the place, but I'm really ticked off because, and when I hear these talking heads uh, about how great Alabama is and, and it's what we want to see after TCU, look, TCU still beat Michigan last year, right, in the playoff. They got in there. They still beat them. Yeah, they got throttled by Georgia. Oh, well, sometimes the team that wins the title is going to be that much better than the team they play, but you can't deny a team the opportunity if they get there and they run the table and they did everything they're supposed to do like TCU did last year and Florida State did this year. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of thoughts. I think the thing that most disturbs me, and, uh, you know, obviously, regardless, uh, you know, the, uh, whether you, where you come down to, you know, best teams, most deserving and whatnot, then, I mean, look, if it's truly best teams, then, then you know, I, I I guess they try. But, I mean, obviously, I mean, I can make a case for Georgia. I can make a case for Ohio State. I can make a case for some other teams there uh, if we're just truly going off of best teams. But uh, I, I think what now that I reflect on it, what bothers me, KT, the most is they were kind of setting it up. Like, I don't know if you're aware, but Her- Herbie's doing podcasts and some other media stuff. And he's already, you know, voicing his opinion that they can't put Florida State in and whatnot. You see Bill Hancock say that our job is to get the best teams, not the most deserving stuff. I mean, this is the 10th year of the playoffs, stuff you've never heard anybody say. And I just I felt like they were setting all this up to leave Florida State out regardless of what they look like uh, against Louisville. And that really bothers me um, because it just screams reality TV show, you mentioned earlier uh, before the break, uh, you know, about the, the ESPN being in bed with the SEC. I, I hope folks don't uh, overlook that comment because it's true. And, and what do we mean by that? Well, I, I mean, we're not talking millions of dollars here. We are talking billions with a B. The, the latest contract with ESPN and the SEC, $3 billion. So, uh you don't think they have a stake in, in getting an SEC team in there? I just I don't like that. That that's, that speaks, you know, collusion, corruption, um, and to me it also. I've always said that college football really, you know, mirrored our society. Um, and when you just look at college football, I mean, it's a, you know, it's it's literally a cross section of our country. I mean, every little d- different parts of the country, big cities, uh, small college towns. Red states, blue states, different socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, diff- 
different ethnic backgrounds. Uh, and, and, you know, for, for a long time, I thought it represented what was good about this country, the traditions, the pageantry. Uh, but now it's just all about the almighty dollar and, uh, you know, no different than a lot of the stuff you see in our general society. And I just, I don't know. I, I mean, I've loved college football since I, as long as I can remember, man. And I got a really good memory. I mean, it's been arguably the love of my life. And I don't know, part of me is dying inside uh, with, with what's going on with this sport. And not just the decision that was made on Sunday, but, I mean, everything's changing. And I'm okay with change, but every little thing about this sport is going by the wayside. Uh, just every little thing. I mean, uh, and, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm against the NIL or transfer portal, but Everything all at once, the, the, the diso, you know, dissolution of a, of a major conference in the Pac-12, just when they just had their best year in probably two, three decades, just, you know, the rivalries going by the wayside, and nobody seems to really care. Um, the, the, the importance of the regular season going by the wayside uh, with a 12-team playoff, I, I don't know, KT. You know me, I love college football, but, man, a part of me, I don't know. I mean, since it wants to be reflective so much of the NFL, I mean, if I want to root for the NFL, I'll just root for the NFL. That is great stuff. Great stuff from Brad Powers. At Brad Powers 7, follow him on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Ken Thompson 87 at SportsX Radio. And uh, couldn't have said it better. In fact, when I talked to Jerry Allen, the voice of the Oregon Ducks, over there at Allegiant Stadium, Jerry's been the voice of the Oregon Ducks for 37 years. And I told him, I said, Jerry, when I walked in his uh, his booth there prior to the game against Washington on Friday and uh, you know got the hug, hadn't seen him in a while, I said, Jerry, this, uh, I, I just got the, like the saddest feeling that this is the last Pac-12 game. I, I, I go, it's, he goes, he goes, I don't even want to think about it. He goes, I'll probably cry when it's all said and done. And probably wanted to cry a little bit more since Oregon just lost, uh, to Washington. But, uh, it was just all these people that I know, Roxy Bernstein, a lot of people that have been associated with the Pac-12 forever, uh, over a century. This, uh, conference has been going strong and the rivalries and the way it was set up with the Pac-8, then Pac-10, and then they added Utah and Colorado. But before that, the Pac-10, you can't ask for a more perfectly set up geographical conference with Arizona, Arizona State, USC, UCLA, Cal and Stanford, Washington, Washington State, and Oregon, Oregon State. It doesn't get any better than that. And so for the other sports as well. So on the weekend, when a basketball team's going, it'd be a Thursday game in uh, Eugene and a Saturday game in Corvallis or vice versa. And same thing with Pullman and Seattle or Palo Alto and Berkeley and uh, Tucson and Phoenix and then or Tempe, I should say. And then, of course, uh, L.A. with the two L.A. schools, USC and UCLA. But you had to see that all fall apart. It was uh, pretty heartbreaking because I've been a USC fan since, uh, gosh, for a half century now. And, uh, you know, actually a little longer than that since I was a little kid. So, uh, yeah, it was heartbreaking. And I was glad I was there. I was glad I was, uh, you know, at that final game. But, yeah, that's that's tough. And when you talk about what's wrong with college football, yes, maybe there were things that we all thought should come to fruition, like uh, players getting some money. Because I watched when I worked for UC Riverside and Long Beach State that we'd go on basketball road trips and these, these players would take uh, half, two-thirds, or sometimes all of their per diem that they got for meals, and they would pocket it. And they'd starve themselves, even though they had a game, because they wanted to take their girl to the movie on Saturday. And that was a way for them to get 25 bucks. And so I saw that stuff happen. And it, it's, uh, I said, that's not right. And so, okay, you don't want to pay the players. So I was okay with these guys maybe getting a few grand. And even the better players, maybe, you know, five, ten thousand. 10000 
you know, a month or something like that. But now it's in the millions. So how hard is it to get, you know, a kid to go to practice that's got more money in his bank account than the coaching staff has? It's pretty, you know, I mean, you don't know. And so it's, yes, it will take away from the game. And then you're going to have, you know, other guys like, why would I go play for a rookie contract in the NFL when I can go back to college and hit the transfer portal and have somebody bid an extra $2 million on me? Because I don't know if I'm ever even going to make it in the NFL, Brad. Yeah, I think that can actually be a positive for the sport to, you know, have, you know, some of the better players play longer. Uh, I the, the paying of the players, I'm not bothered by, really not. I mean, considering that they're putting their bodies at risk. But there should have been a cap. I think, don't you, you, don't you think there should be? Her, uh, for Michigan. Okay. Yeah, get hurt. Uh, I, I, I'm ta- I, I mean, I, I want some of these high-profile players to, to make as much as possible. I just think you, when you combine that with they can transfer whenever they want without any penalty. I think that that's not necessarily good uh, in that regard. Uh, I wouldn't want to be a coach. I think you brought up something really uh, sharp uh, as far as, man, think about being a coach. You moved in, you know, coaches, they move their families consistently. You know, they might be at five different jobs in a 10-year period. But say you've been a, a coach for 10 years and you finally have, you know, worked up to maybe an SEC level uh, running backs coach and, and you're making three, four hundred grand just being a running backs coach in the SEC, but you've had to grind it through for 10 years, moving your family and whatnot. And all of a sudden, the running back that you're coaching uh, coming out of high school, 18 years old, and he's making, you know, a million plus uh, 18 year old kid and you're, you're trying to coach him and he's got more money than you. I don't I don't know if that's going to necessarily sit well, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I don't know. I everyone asked me, what, what do I do? The, the, you know, what, what do you think about it? Well, I don't, I don't know. Everything's changing. So, uh, I, I, and you see today, I mean, we can, we got uh, legitimate starting quarterbacks. I mean, they hit the portal. I mean, guys that I didn't even dream of hitting the portal uh, today. So uh, I, I don't know. There's just so much uncertainty that it's tough to price it. No doubt about it. Oklahoma, uh, by the way, Dylan Gabriel hitting the transfer portal. Uh, they are very high on their freshman, Jackson Arnold. So I don't even know if they go to the portal, Oklahoma. Well, I'll uh, give you some actual info that the markets overreacted to that. I like Oklahoma in that game. But now let's see how many more players for Oklahoma hit the portal. But uh, they downgraded Oklahoma like seven points. Uh, Jackson Arnold is not a seven-point downgrade uh, from Dylan Gabriel. Yep, no doubt. I've got a buddy that's uh, he's an OU grad, and he knew. He said, look, we've just been waiting our turn to get Jackson Arnold in there. We think he's the real deal, and he's a freshman, so we'll see uh, indeed if he's able to uh, come to fruition. But uh, these are these are rumored uh, destinations, and, and you tell me what you think. Riley Leonard to Notre Dame, you, you agree with that. You mentioned that yourself. Yeah, JT, I think I brought that up to you, what, about six weeks ago. Yep. Evan Stewart to Texas, I saw. Uh, Walter Nolan to Tennessee. Dante Moore from UCLA to Michigan State. DJ. Uh, uh, Dante U- Moore, no. Aiden Child nope. is going to go to Michigan State. Okay. Uh, DJ Uyunglele, uh to Oregon. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Oregon. Yeah, I'm not sure on that one. I think Oregon's got higher aspirations than him. How about Cam Ward to Ohio State? Yeah, I could see that. Ohio State's going to get somebody. They, I mean, they have to upgrade from Kyle McCord. So, yeah, it'd have to be Cam Ward. And I I don't know. Maybe they're in the Dante Moore sweepstakes. Okay, and then you've got others. Uh, Daquan Finn from Toledo, Tyler Van Dyke from Miami, Will Howard from Kansas State, and your old buddy Drew Pine from ASU, formerly Notre Dame, uh, amongst uh, uh, the other ones you were talking about, McCord. 
uh, earlier today as well. And uh, Dylan Gabriel, we mentioned. So, uh, yeah, a bunch of quarterbacks. And, and you saw Matt Rule, the head coach now of Nebraska, come out and says, uh, look, it's one to two million to find a, you know, a, a good, solid quarterback in the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a lot. But, man, if you're talking about a legitimate starter in college football these days, I mean, I, that doesn't surprise me that that's the going right. I mean, the, the, probably should be the going right considering how important they are. I mean, the committee told you how important the quarterback was. They they dropped an unbeaten. I mean, you want to talk about Heisman Trophy, might as well give it to Jordan Travis because, I mean, the committee said, I mean, Jordan Travis is so valuable. Let's get Florida State out of there because he's hurt. That is great. That That is a clip that should be saved right there. That is fantastic and a great way to go to break. SportsX Radio, update Jacksonville, 28-21. They lead Cincinnati, so the game's already gone over. 52 seconds to go, third quarter. The Jags have the ball back on their own eight-yard line, uh, 28-21. They trailed at 21-14. Browning's having a nice game throwing the football, uh, but they now trail the Bengals 28-21, 10-point dogs, and again the, again, the game's already gone up and over that total. Ken Thompson and Brad Powers, producer Mark Hoke. We will uh, touch on the FCS, and uh, we'll hit the NFL a little bit before we get out of here. But before we do, uh, well, you know what? We'll take the break. We'll come back, and I'll give you that live read on Preventative Diagnostic Center and uh, Dr. John Pierce. Live from Vegas, 101.5 FMK, Dawn streaming live on the Odyssey app. You're listening to SportsX Radio with Ken Thompson, Brad Powers, producer Mark Hoke. We'll be right back, live from Vegas. A little chic coming back here. It is KT on a big show Monday. Mark Hoke spinning the hits. A little good times. And uh, KT and Brad Powers not having a good time at Florida State's expense. We'll get back, uh, finish up a little college football. Touch on the NFL before we get out of here. Preventative Diagnostic Center demographically, if you're between the ages of 40 and 72, you're pretty fortunate, either if you live in the Vegas Valley or if you're coming out to visit us for some time. You can give a call right now, leave your name and number, and uh, have the Preventative Diagnostic Center get back to you with that free educational consultation. Let them know Ken Thompson Sports X Radio sent you. You have the 702 area code. Jot it down right now, 534-7900, 534-7900. The only scanner of its kind in the region. It gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart disease and lung disease. It is PD Center, Preventative Diagnostic Center. Comfortable scan takes just a few minutes. A few days later, you get a detailed report from a board-certified radiologist. Heart CT scan and calcium score special. Doesn't get any better than this. Even if you don't want to get all your organs checked out, which I know you probably do, but get in there and take advantage of the major special that's been going on now. This is year number three. They put this thing together, and it is solid. Get you in the door, and it doesn't get any better than this. You find out about your heart. You get a heart CT scan and calcium score. It's a six. $600 value, cost you $125, your significant other is absolutely free. So the two of you get in there, take advantage of this, $125, $1,200 value, make sure the arteries aren't clogging up. Guys, don't get blindsided by that Widowmaker. Ladies, know that heart disease is number one killer of women annually here in the United States. 534-7900, pdcenterlv.com is the website, pdcenterlv.com. Make sure you tell them KT Sports X Radio sent you. I'm with Brad Powers here, halfway through hour number two here on a big show Monday, and uh, really laying in as far as our feelings. And again, I, I did not talk to Brad at all. I haven't talked to him uh, until just tonight on the show. Uh, saw one of his plays that he... Uh, 
made as far as a bowl game and uh, Brad taking his time because there are a lot of uh, potential players that are going to be sitting out and or uh, people that are transferring in this transfer portal. So you got to be careful instead of just jumping on stuff. And there's nobody better than Brad Powers as far as uh, closing line value. Uh, not the greatest year, but he told you right here, he said uh, there were a couple plays I remember. Boise State, he loved them against UNLV, and Boise State was in control most of that game, took care of business. Uh, there were several other ones that he had. Texas, he said Texas will blow out Oklahoma State. They dominated that game. And, uh, look, he didn't get, get them all right, but at the end of the day, uh, you know what? I will have you, Brad, uh, make my plays year in, year out, every year, because you put in the work and you are darn good at what you do. And I do appreciate uh, working with you because I learn a lot. Even though you're much younger than me, I've learned a lot from you throughout the years. And it's always fun and entertaining. And I love to go back and listen to the archives so I can indeed understand everything that uh, you snuck in because sometimes you get so much information in there and it's uh, kind of subtle that I maybe didn't pay attention to it all because I'm worried about what I'm going to say coming up. So uh, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing such a standout job and can't wait to examine the bowls. Uh, but uh, last word as far as those two playoff games, the way they have them set up now, which I'm kind of bummed because I was hoping we could at least have the traditional uh, Michigan-Washington Rose Bowl and get the Big Ten and uh, Pac-12 to close it out, but didn't happen that way. So you get Texas and Washington in the Sugar Bowl, and you get Michigan and Alabama. And, uh, you know, I, I those are two coaches that I dislike the most in Harbaugh and Saban. And, look, I got I got respect. Um, more for Saban uh, probably than Harbaugh because I, I really think this uh, this cheating stuff uh, probably is is pretty in detail, but they haven't gotten into it, and it'll go by the wayside, and he'll probably be in the NFL uh, potentially with a national title under his belt. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think Michigan will win the game against Alabama unless Milrow chokes. Uh, if he plays anything like he's been playing the last few games, I think Alabama takes care of business. Where are you on that game? Yeah, similar thought process. Uh, look, I mean, obviously I'm really upset with what the committee did, but, I mean, at least on paper we do have two good semifinals. Uh, we'll see if it plays out that way. I know I, I too, wanted a traditional Big Ten, Pac-12, Rose Bowl to close it out, but I'm sure they're they're okay with Alabama, Michigan, and the Rose Bowl. Uh, it should get a monster TV rating because, hey, that, that's what this is about. It's about TV ratings. It's about money. Uh, speaking of money, I, I think uh, if you want to – Make a positive EV bet. I think Alabama is the side. I would not be a bit surprised Alabama closes a – I'm not saying they're going to close a three-point favorite, but I would not be a bit surprised Alabama closes one and a half here. Uh, I, I think, you know, you're right. Milro plays a clean game. They're going to win. And then Washington, again, they'd have to play – uh, probably a similar game that they just played against Oregon in the trenches. Uh, Penix Jr. looked healthy, and I left you a message, and I know you probably got it, to where I had talked to somebody from uh, that, that was very close to the Washington program about potentially uh, uh, several players and key players, including Michael Penix Jr., uh, being uh, under the weather for uh, several games, including the game in Corvallis in the pouring rain. And uh, don't know. Again, I don't know how accurate it is. I'm sure there's people close to the program that could probably attest to that. But uh, they, I guess they didn't want it uh, out there in the open and whatnot. And, and so if it was hidden, it was hidden. But this is something I found out uh, from somebody that, I, again, I, I have a lot of respect for that's very close to the program. And uh, Michael Penix Jr. didn't look like he was hurting at all. Because initially, you know, you and I talked about it uh, going into the Oregon game. And that may have been, you know, part of the reason that you were uh, leaning heavily on Oregon, number one, Bo 
Knicks was playing outstanding, and Michael Penix Jr., uh, the last five games, had really declined majorly over what he'd put up the first six or seven games. Yeah, uh, and looked looked better magically. Although, I mean, I I don't know what happens in the course of a week. Did not look, you know, that great there just the week before. It's not like it gradually got better. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously with a month off, you would expect all that stuff that they, you know, probably were dealing with that to be cleared up. So, a uh, dangerous team, very well-coached team. I just think Texas has shown that they have another gear here. Uh they showed it early in the season at Alabama, and then I, I think they've showed it the last couple of games. I mean, beating Texas Tech by 50 uh, <laughs> was a statement, and then they made another statement against Oklahoma State. Not that I think those teams are any good, but, I mean, those are bowl teams. And, I mean, they absolutely annihilated them. And, uh, you know, Texas, I, I love the – I think Sark is as good as it gets when it comes to play calling. I and mean, I think the distinct – you know, what makes Texas different than maybe even anybody left balanced on offense and defense because that defensive front was sweat in the middle. Uh, that's a pretty elite group. So I, I, I bet Texas here, Casey. I respect DeBoer and I expect I respect Washington, but I, I like the Longhorns. Yeah, and I will say this, that McMillan healthy makes that Washington offense much more point. diverse. Much more diverse Very because he was – I'll just tell you this. From the press box, he was open all night, and they just missed him on a couple other big plays – um, yeah. He could have. I'm serious. He could have. He was behind the defense twice, and uh, one was thrown uh, short, and another one was thrown over his head, uh, probably about two yards. Uh, that could have been a touchdown. So uh, you know that gave Penix Jr. another uh, another solid weapon that he didn't have for you know healthy for at least uh, five or six games during the season. But I agree. And what would be even bigger for college football? I don't think anything than to have an Alabama-Texas rematch where Alabama's only loss was to the Longhorns in Tuscaloosa. And uh, I think the ratings would be through the roof. I think it may be the highest-rated game ever in college football if it was Alabama and Texas. It's going to be tough to beat that Texas-USC game, uh, that you know, the 05 season, 06 Rose Bowl. Uh, you you had to bring that up, Powers? Come on, man. you got to go back to that game. There's so many things that led to that. (laughs) It's funny because that was kind of the end of an era. That's when, you know, the SEC started their stuff the very next season. uh, I mean, that was Keith Jackson's final call. I don't know. That just – to me, that that, that's what was the the epitome of college football. It's kind of been a little bit downhill since then. The only time I ever got mad at Pete Carroll because I said, you know what, I don't care if they beat us. Just don't let him run to his right. That's all. I don't care. Make him go left. If he runs it in going left, I'm okay with it. If I can, Just don't let him go to his throwing arm and roll right. And that's exactly what he did. I'm watching this. I'm going, this is sick. They, they lost. They lost. And I knew he was going to make it in. Vince Young, gosh dang it. But uh, well, Reggie yeah, Bush needs to be. I don't know if he needs to get the football, but he needs to be in on the play when, when they came Fourth up. and one? Yeah, fourth yeah. and one. Reggie Bush not on the field. Go figure that one out too, yeah. Uh, a little bit crazy. Uh, BP, real quick, let's jump over to FCS because my producer, Mark Hoke, and I was watching that game. I watched that blocked extra point by North Dakota State at Montana State, uh, and, and all of a sudden a pin dropping outside of the North Dakota State fans that had traveled out to Bozeman. And I, there was just something like in my brain going, nah, 
And so I just like, and then all of a sudden it, it blocked. And I'm like, just going, no, I go, that's unreal. And I literally tweeted it out right away. And I texted Mark Hoke like within a second after, because I, I figured he's probably watching, but I didn't know because sometimes he's working and he'll go back and watch later or maybe he's listening. And I didn't know. And I just saw that. And I just said, you know what? That's a great organization right there that finds a way to win games. And uh, that was a big time win. And yes, we could have that North Dakota State, South Dakota State rematch from last year and another Jack Rabbit win in uh, Frisco but at the end of the day listen I got, I got to sneak that in on it but uh, yeah they're playing South Dakota what do you make that line because I've seen 17 and a half on the uh, on the Montana game against Furman on Friday but I did not see any lines out yet so what would you make that line South Dakota beat them during the regular season do you make that a pick them or is North Dakota State the favorite oh North Dakota State will be favored by probably a touchdown on the road all right. Uh, what about South Dakota State over Villanova? Going to be a significant point spread, probably close to three touchdowns. And Albany and Idaho, because Idaho was very lucky to beat Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois' defense is real. Yeah, they were. Uh, the Southern Illinois coach, I was tweeting it. Everybody was tweeting about Florida State and stuff, and I was watching the, <laughs> that late-night game. Uh, I couldn't believe the clock management uh, by the Southern Illinois coach at the end of regulation. Uh Idaho, like, by a touchdown. Yeah, and they probably have a better chance against a team like Albany, that's for sure. Uh, so you got North Dakota State, Idaho, South Dakota State, and Montana, right? Bobby Houck, what a job he's done with that Grizzly team. Yeah, I mean, they turned around. They made a quarterback change in the middle of the season. Cause keep in mind, I mean, they had they dropped a game uh, where they were 17-point favorite, got dominated. They almost lost to Ferris State, a good D2 team. Uh, they were really struggling there. But, yeah, these got to turn around. And I will say this. I mean, obviously last week's game, Montana State, North Dakota State, I mean, I, I mentioned it was like a semifinal game, not a game that's played, you know, in the round of 16. But uh, I'm looking at my power ratings. Eight of the top ten teams are still left. So it's a really good quarterfinal round here. Any, I, I know North Dakota State's a veteran squad that's won it a bunch of times. Any chance of a psychological letdown because you just won in Bozeman and – now you're going to South Dakota, like not that I, because they beat you, right? I mean, if, if North Dakota State had beaten yeah, them during they, the regular they season, beat you earlier this right. year, yeah, they already yeah. beat them, so they should be dialed in. Yeah, it should be fun. All right, take our final break of the night. Come back with Brad Powers and uh, hit the NFL a little bit. BP uh, doing good stuff, and uh, I think he's got a bowl game that he already gave out. I don't know if there's any value left, but uh, we're going to do a bowl special next week, and uh, BP's going to be heading to the Army-Navy game. Uh, BP, real quick, do I have a chance? I know the line's going up, and Army's favored two and a half. Chicago Bill's licking his chops. He thinks he's going to take me out again. Can Navy do it for me? No, KT, Army's up the side. Not, not with great confidence. I haven't released anything yet, but I think Army's the side this week. You're going off that Air Force shutout? No, it wasn't necessarily that. I'm more worried about the, you know, I, gotta, no, I haven't deep-dived it yet. It's still early. I've been focused on the Bulls, but I mean, I'm a little worried about the Navy quarterback situation. What were they down, a four-stringer against SMU uh, last week? Yeah. No doubt, and they got down big time, ended up scoring 14-0, by the way, points, but they got buried. By the way, 28-28, 9-27 to go fourth quarter. Jake Jeez. Browning for Cincinnati. Jake Browning looking like uh, looking like he's uh, watching this Washington. Uh, he's probably got these Washington-Oregon highlights in his head. He's 24 of 28 for 300 yards and a touchdown. He's only been sacked one time. Trevor Lawrence has thrown for 208 and two touchdowns 
and he's been sacked once as well. Jacksonville only 53 yards rushing on 19 carries. Cincinnati 104 yards rushing on 21 carries. So the Bengals right now, so far so good if you got the points. Game flying over the total, but 28-28 on Monday Night Football. SportsX Radio, Ken Thompson, Brad Powers. We come back, wrap things up. Keep it right here, 101.5 FMK Dawn, streaming live on that Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, live from Vegas. We'll be right back. Domino, baby. I'm walking. Big Show Monday. Mark Hoke spinning the hits here. KT, Brad Powers finishing things up on a Big Show Monday. Miss any part of the show? Use that rewind feature that Odyssey offers. A-U-D-A-C-Y free worldwide app. Download it now. Or follow at Ken Thompson 87 at SportsX Radio, and I'll have the archives pinned about 45 minutes after the program. Uh, update real quick. St. Louis, after the first period at the Fortress, leading our Golden Knights 1-0. Knights on a two-game winning streak, went off a minus-196 the total. But the Blues have the only goal after one. Arizona, after two, added a goal, 6 nothing. Looks like a tennis score, a little 6-love on Washington. Other four games final, Montreal did double up on Seattle, 4-2. 2-1 Winnipeg, also doubling up on Carolina at home in Manitoba, 2-1. 4 nothing Tampa shut out Dallas at home and Philly, a 2-1 home win at Pittsburgh. So it looks like all the home teams are going to win. Let's hope the Golden Knights come back and win that game to make it 6 out of 6. 22-21, Cal Poly slow leads in Corvallis over Oregon State. 3.35 to go first half on the hardwood. College basketball, only five games. Other games as far as uh, D1 action, Purdue blew out Iowa. Time Edie had a big night, 87-68. 97-83, Arkansas beat Furman, get the win in the cover there in Fayetteville. Alabama, 89-65, win by 24, but laying 26. Arkansas State, the Red Wolves come back, get a backdoor cover. And North Dakota State at home, a win and a cover of the three points at home. 83-78, they beat San Jose State. East Carolina, 63-52, beat Maryland Eastern Shore, but did not get the cover in that game. And then uh, as far as NBA, Pacers surprised the Celtics shorthanded, 122-112. to 112. Stays under the 244.5, but they were 4.5-point dogs. They get the win, and the Pelicans lead the Kings right now in Sacktown. 845 to go first half, 43-37. And again, tied at 28 with 8 minutes to go. Bengals and Jags from Jacksonville. Jags closed, minus 10. Total was 41. You're already sitting at 56. Brad Powers with me. BP, uh, very impressive Sunday night game by Jordan Love. The best he's looked. And uh, they took care of business. They were able to hold on. I know a controversial no call there at the end on Valdez Scantling should have been pass interference, but also the uh, personal foul a couple plays earlier uh, with Mahomes going out of bounds. There was no personal foul. He got hit in the shoulder, got hit hard, and he was still in bounds, so should have never been called. Uh, but really one of the more impressive games uh, that Green Bay's played. Now they find themselves sitting at 6-6 six and six in their last five games. They have one team at 500 and the other four teams well under 500. So, you know, they, they should be able to go, you know, 3-2, and 4-1 and one and uh, potentially make the playoffs there in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, surprising. Uh, a lot of it ha- has to do with their improvements on the offense uh, side. Uh, you know, started to find their way a little bit in that Chargers game and really, you know, showed out early on in that Detroit game. Shocked many, including myself. So, uh, you know, th- three straight outright wins for them. I thought, you know, uh, you know, they even go back, they probably should have won the Steelers game uh, and then, you know, beat a, what's turning out to be a pretty good Rams team by 17. So they're playing about as well as anybody in the NFL right now and, uh, uh, Surprising, because I, I certainly didn't see it with how bad they were at the start. 
Lions got a big lead. Hold on, beat the Saints 33-28. Derek Carr got knocked out of that game. Jameis Winston uh, did what he could in Taysom Hill, but uh, Lions still get the win. They go to 9-3. and three. That's impressive stuff. How good is Detroit? Uh, are they, They're still they're good, but you don't have them playoff-wise good enough to beat Philly or San Fran? I, the, I concur. I, I would even... I mean, depending on what Dallas team, uh, the, you know, it, it, you know the, what they are, I, I would even have them behind the, the, the Cowboys. So fourth best team in the NFC right now, my power ratings. Pretty dominant victory by San Francisco, able to pull away. Debo Samuel really looked healthy for the first time. And Brock Purdy, when Samuel plays, and, and uh, Williams there at uh, left tackle, very, very solid. Uh, 314. And four touchdowns for Brock Purdy. He looked comfortable. McCaffrey, his usual self, uh, 93 yards rushing in a touchdown, 40 yards receiving. Uh, but having a healthy Samuel shows that that team's clicking on all cylinders. And as Chase Young gets more and more uh, in sync there with the rest of that defense, including Nick Bosa, uh, that team's going to be lethal. And there's a reason that they're the favorites in everybody's book. Yeah, I mean, you would still like to get home field advantage. I mean, they're still a game behind the Eagles. I know they own the tiebreaker, but they should have to catch them in that regard. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, if we're talking a power rating, I mean, forget the NFC, the entire NFL. I I would have San Francisco right now probably a three-point favorite over anybody on a neutral. All right, so Mark Hoke letting me know, and I just saw the replay. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, a really weird uh, injury. He's down. Uh, one of the opposing players stepped on his like foot, ankle, was bent back, and then he went back even further, and he's down now, and uh, guys are down. I don't know if it's anything uh, catastrophic, but it could be. It was that type of ugly look, so we'll wait and see uh, before speculating. But it does. It, it, he's definitely not going to finish this game, I could tell you. Uh, I just, you know, hoping that it's not something that's going to keep him out for the rest of the year. We'll wait and see how all that plays out in just a little bit. They're on commercial. Uh, Texans found a way to hold off the Broncos. Got rather ugly there in the second half, uh, but they got it done. And C.J. Stroud, uh, you know, not a great game, but good enough and has really played well as a rookie. Yeah, I mean, they continue to defy expectations. I mean, a lot of people thought uh, they'd be picking at the top of uh, the draft yet again, just like they were this past season, but uh, uh, looking more and more with each passing week like a playoff team. Yeah, and Gardner Minshew, man, some old-school Gardner Minshew. Looked like he was up at Wazoo winging that ball around. Michael Pittman Jr. gets the game winner, had 11 receptions. Alec Pierce, the kid, had a Cincinnati big-time game with three receptions for 100 yards, and uh, both those guys got in the uh, end zone, and the Colts win it in OT as they get the TD after Tennessee kicks the field goal. 31-28, Colts are 7-5 and five all of a sudden. Yeah, that was one that hurt me. I had Tennessee. So, uh, you know, overtime didn't do me any wonders when I had Tennessee plus one. But, uh, yeah, yeah, another team. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I know teams are defying expectations and whatnot. I just see a lot of mediocrity is what I see <laughs> in a lot of the NFL this year, KT. All right, uh, Dolphins routed the Commanders. No surprise here. Tyreek Hill, uh, a couple more touchdowns, five receptions, 157. To me, uh, that that's where my money's at as far as the AFC. But there's a big game coming up with KC losing to Green Bay last night, and they're sitting at 8-4. and four. Not that they're in danger in the AFC West because they're not, but overall as far as uh, just where they're sitting because there's two 9-3 and three teams in the other 
uh, divisions, but Jacksonville looking like they could go down tonight. But what's your take on uh, Kansas City at home with Buffalo coming off a bye? Because Buffalo's backs are against the wall, and they played a great game their last time out. They just they lost in Philly in a crazy overtime game. Buffalo has to start winning games, and they lose that one. They're in a lot of trouble. Do you like Buffalo going to KC, or do you think Mahomes and company? I do. Yeah, I like the Bills all right. I like the Bills all right. Okay. I, I, we're on the same page there. Uh, Steelers uh, finally came back to bite him. I mean, Kyler Murray and company played yeah. good enough. And I'll tell you what, McBride's one heck of a tight end. You watched him at college. You told me he was going to be good, and uh, that kid can flat-out play. Yeah, I mean, you knew sooner or later. I mean, the Steelers, I mean, the first eight games of the season were outgained, and somebody had a winning record. And, you know, I just finally catching up with them a little bit. You, you thought they made improvements on offense. Uh, but I guess not so much. Uh, a lot of issues there for a team with seven and five. There you go. All right, BP. Uh, listen, have a great time at the Army Navy game. Get me some good pictures, especially if Navy wins, so I can show them to Chicago Bill up close and personal. But uh, you know what? Main thing is is taking that historic event. Uh, well, I'm going to try and see if we can't uh, get out there next year. Both me and Chicago Bill, he'll be the big eight zero next year. So right around when that game goes down, so uh, we're going to try and make it out there. But Brad, always appreciate your time, and I uh, look forward to hitting up on the bowl games with you. And uh, great stuff, man. As always, appreciate you big time, folks. At Brad Power or just Brad Power Sports. I mean, get his bowl games. Get all the stuff that he's got left for the rest of the season. Trust me, he's going to have a big bowl season, and uh, he is stellar. And win or lose, the guy always comes on like a true professional and gives you all the information. His newsletter is second to none. His power rankings are better than anybody's I know, and he's just top of the line, and he's as great a person as he is a handicapper, and I just appreciate him. Brad Powers, you're awesome, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me as always, KT. There you go. Great stuff, and that'll do it on a big show Monday. Uh, Mark Hoke, real quick, any update on uh, on Lawrence? Okay, limping back to the locker room. Okay, so hopefully they didn't bring out the cart, so uh, uh, maybe not as catastrophic as, as it initially looked. Uh, Cincinnati has the ball. 28-28, they go down near the four-minute mark, and you'll be able to uh, find out how that game panned out tomorrow night. Back here, PSBR Law Studios. Looking forward to that. Going to hope uh, I might have a little surprise for Mark Hoke with one of my guests tomorrow. Uh, we'll talk some more FCS football about his bison as uh, they continue to strive forward and play good football. And uh, they try try and set up a date and avenge that loss in the championship game last year to South Dakota State. They're our rival. That'll make for more fun for me and the Hokester. But uh, appreciate everybody listening. You listeners are fantastic. Thanks to Brad Powers. Thanks to producer Mark Hoke. And uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow. Till then, you know the rules. No drinking and driving. No texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from Vegas Sports X Radio, 101.5 FM KDON. Streaming live on that Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Archives up in just a little bit. Or use the Rewind feature on Odyssey. God bless, folks. Have a great evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow night on a Fat Tuesday. Good night, everybody. Welcome back from halftime. It's just after 7 o'clock in the big city. Time to continue America's favorite Las Vegas sports show. Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson. (laughs) Yeah, what up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. 
Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson is brought to you by Hannah Shea Boyle and Rappaputi. Trial lawyers that get results. Steiner's Pub, a true Nevada style pub. Preventative Diagnostic Center. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance. So get ready because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. now. All right, hour number two, KT Live, PSBR Law Studios in Las Vegas. Brad Powers on the PSBR Law Hotline. And uh, when we went to break top of the hour, we were talking about the playoff, and Brad and I are on the same page. We both thought Florida State would should get in. And so when you hear, you know, ESPN and Stephen A. Smith and all these jokers that you're going to see, look, I get it. There's some football knowledge there, but to me, ESPN's in bed with the SEC. They've been so for a long time, and the SEC has been the best conference. There's no question But this year, when you look at the teams, to me, when you look at the top teams, it's so top-heavy, first off. And you've got LSU. You've got three losses. Oh, by the way, one of them to Florida State for the second year in a row. Okay? That's an LSU team. LSU, uh, they lost to Ole Miss. And Ole Miss, we thought that was another good team, right? That was going into the uh, Georgia game with one loss. They lost to Bama. But they got throttled by, you know, 35-plus points. So, okay, how good's Ole Miss? Well, you know what? Offensively, Jackson Dart and company sometimes can uh, get things going, and, and they can roll, and they can get some Ws, but not great. Let's look at Alabama, okay, because they lose week two to Texas, and they lose by 10, but I thought the game was even more dominant. In the trenches, most people that watched that game thought that Texas was by far the better team, and they win the game 34-24, the Longhorns do. And then after that, Bama. They go to South Florida right after that, right? You figure, you know, Saban's going to get them ready. They're going to go down to Tampa. They're just going to bury the Bulls. It was a rainy night, but they they end up beating them 17-3 in a game that was, you know, a 10-3 game for a long time. Ugly game. They did beat Ole Miss. They beat Mississippi State, who was atrocious. They struggled and trailed again in College Station, but they came away late with a 26-20 victory. Then they had a nice 24-3 lead on Arkansas, and they held on at home for a 24-21 win. Right, They trailed LSU, but they had a big second half, probably their best half of football, I thought, during the regular season against LSU, and they win that game 42-28, to and that was key for them. LSU, with two losses, had they won that game, they could st- still could have been in the mix as far as if they were able to take out Georgia in the SEC title game and run the table. But then we saw Bama, like Brad said, the fourth and 31. First of all, it's inexcusable defense by Auburn rushing two guys. And somehow, someway, let's give Milrow credit. It was as perfect a pass with the defense that wasn't being played in the corner, the right corner of the end zone, only a one-on-one with the defender about five yards in front of the guy in the back of the end zone. That makes the catch. But you have nine guys back there on defense. Should never have one guy by himself. But is what it is. It's as good a play. Now, you take that away. If you take that play away, is that what we're talking about? Is Alabama there because they beat Georgia? No, it's because they avoided losing to Auburn. Because without that, it doesn't matter if they beat Georgia. They're not going. 
right? And Bama showing that Georgia was vulnerable. And we saw Georgia all year, and I talked about it with their with their crummy schedule. Uh, Tennessee, Martin, Ball State, UAB, and Georgia Tech. Those are non-conference games. So their signature win was what? Missouri, a game at home that they really struggled in and uh, end up winning 30-21. to 21. Was that their signature win? They struggled at Auburn, too. Only won by a touchdown in a game that they trailed uh, for a lot of that game. And maybe then, then they crushed Tennessee and Knoxville as well. So, the, so what are they telling us? They're telling us, no, no, we're the SEC, so we have to be the best because we've won all these things. Georgia's won the last two years. Alabama's won a ton of national titles. You're right. I get it. And those teams in the past were way better than both Georgia and Alabama this year. I thought Georgia and Alabama, sure, they only had the one loss between them going into that championship game. But at the end of the day, these two teams were not that great. They, To me, they weren't great. They were really good teams, but they weren't great teams. And Milrow was a quarterback that you didn't even know if he was going to get out of the doghouse with Saban and turn things around. And sure, it's the Milrow miracle to beat Auburn. And ironically, that could be a play that ends up not only winning that game, the Iron Bowl, and helping them get into the game that beats Georgia in the championship game, and also, you know, it could get them to a national title. I mean, Bama's good enough. There's no question. You give Saban a month to prepare and then a turnaround another week, he's good enough to beat any of these four te- these other three teams that are in there. I don't care if it's Texas or Washington or uh, Michigan. Uh, he's good enough to beat all of them with that amount of time. And Milrow has come of age. He's better. But that is still does not excuse what we're talking about here. We're talking about Florida State is a Power 5 team. They have an outstanding defense, right? A great defense. And so what are you going to do? Well, yeah, you're going to struggle in a game with a true freshman going up against that. They didn't even know. All of a sudden, Rodemaker, uh, who came back in the game against Florida, right, closed out that game. Then all of a sudden, literally a day and a half before this game coming up against Louisville, Wait, he's in concussion protocol. What? How could he be in concussion protocol? You put him back in the game, so now all of a sudden he's got symptoms? Okay, maybe it's like whiplash, and they're telling us, okay, he didn't feel the symptoms until, I don't know, a day and a half before this game against Louisville. So, okay, so you want to be safe? Side on caution, I get it. Okay, so Rodemaker doesn't play. So you throw Brock Glenn in there. This kid, no experience really, goes in there does what he has to, took his lumps, got sacked four times, but at the end of the day, they find a way with the defense special teams to come up, and they get the late scores. They put it away by two scores. They cover the spread. They take care of business. They win it 16-6. to They finish 13-0. and You cannot deny them because they're going to have a four-year junior backup coming back. By the way, Rodemaker on the season, 510 yards, passing five touchdowns, no interceptions. So, and a 163.11 quarterback rating, which is higher than Jordan Travis, the starter, who has a 154.48 for the season. Now, I get it. Travis did a lot of great things. He threw for over 2,700 yards, 20 touchdowns, and two interceptions. But still, you cannot deny a coach like Mike Norvell, because if that's Nick Saban, with a backup quarterback, they're going to give him an opportunity. If that's Kirby Smart after these two years, they're going to give him an opportunity to rely on the team because that's what it is. It's a team, right? It's offense, defense, special teams. It's not just quarterback, okay? I get it if it's an Aaron Rodgers and a guy like that, a guy that's, you know, the main guy, like Jordan Travis. Yes, he's the main guy that makes the offense go. But their defense, if their defense sucked, then that's one thing. But still, it's a team game. 
And that's why I'm so ticked off because it is, it is a power conference. And it's not like Florida State didn't have some scares early on. They beat Boston College 31-29 in a game they trailed much throughout. They actually stole the game against Clemson at the end of the third quarter when they were trailing and Clemson was driving again. They were down seven or whatever it was. And Deloach makes a play, a strip sack, and returns it for a touchdown. That changed the whole complexion of that game in Death Valley. And they end up winning that game. And subsequently, they end up running the table. And uh, then again, the, do- the defense was dominant against Louisville, and they took care of business. So they answered the bell, and it's a proud program. It's a Bobby Bowden team for years and years and years. And uh, I'll just say, if Bobby Bowden was still alive and say he was in the middle of his coaching tenure, there's no way they deny Florida State. If they had a coach with the name, if Mike Norvell's not a bad coach, he's in his fourth year there at Florida State, but at the end of the day, people were second-guessing him after his second year, like, is this guy going to even be there? They're already talking about Dion when he was, uh, Dion Sanders when he was uh, still there in the uh, HBCU League, so um, I'm just, I'm just thrown for a big loop here, and I'm kind of bummed out. Brad, I'm going to let you weigh in, because I, I was just, uh, you know, going all over the place, but I'm really ticked off because, and when I hear these talking heads uh, about how great Alabama is and and it's what we want to see after TCU, look, TCU still beat Michigan last year, right, in the playoff. They got in there. They still beat them. Yeah, they got throttled by Georgia. Oh, well, sometimes the team that wins the title is going to be that much better than the team they play, but you can't deny a team the opportunity if they get there and they run the table and they did everything they're supposed to do like TCU did last year and Florida State did this year. Yeah, so, I mean, a lot of thoughts. I think the thing that most disturbs me, and, uh, you know, obviously, regardless, uh, you know, the, whether you, where you come down to, you know, best teams, most deserving and whatnot, then, I mean, look, if it's truly best teams, then, then you know, I, I I guess they tried. But, I mean, obviously, I mean, I can make a case for Georgia. I can make a case for Ohio State. I can make a case for some other teams there uh, if we're just truly going off of best teams. But uh, I, I think what now that I reflect on it, what bothers me, KT, the most is they were kind of setting it up. Like, I don't know if you're aware, but Her- Herbie's doing podcasts and, and some other media stuff. And he's already, you know, voicing his opinion that they can't put Florida State in and whatnot. You see Bill Hancock say that our job is to get the best teams, not the most deserving stuff. I mean, this is the 10th year of the playoffs, stuff you've never heard anybody say. And I just I felt like they were setting all this up to leave Florida State out regardless of what they look like uh, against Louisville. And that really bothers me um, because it just screams reality TV show, you mentioned earlier uh, before the break, uh, you know, about the, the ESPN being in bed with the SEC. I, I hope folks don't uh, overlook that comment because it's true. And, and what do we mean by that? Well, I, I mean, we're not talking millions of dollars here. We are talking billions with a B. The, the latest contract with ESPN and the SEC, $3 billion. So, uh you don't think they have a stake in, in getting an SEC team in there? I just – I don't like that. That, that's, that speaks, you know, collusion, corruption. Um, and to me it also – I've always said that college football really, you know, mirrored our society. Um, and when you just look at college football, I mean, it's, a, you know, it's, it's literally a cross-section of our country. I mean, every little d- different parts of the country, big cities, uh, small college towns, Red states, blue states, different socioeconomic backgrounds, uh, diff- different ethnic backgrounds, uh, 
And, and you know, for for a long time, I thought it represented what was good about this country, the traditions, the pageantry. Uh, but now it's just all about the almighty dollar. And, uh, you know, no different than a lot of the stuff you see in our general society. And I just, I don't know. I, I mean, I love college football since I, as long as I can remember, man. And I got a really good memory. I mean, it's been arguably the love of my life. And I don't know, part of me is dying inside uh, with, with what's going on with this sport. And not just the decision that was made on Sunday, but, I mean, everything's changing. And I'm okay with change, but every little thing about this sport is going by the wayside. Uh, just every little thing. I mean, uh, and, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm against the NIL or transfer portal, but Everything all at once, the, the, the diso, you know, dissolution of a, of a major conference in the Pac-12, just when they just had their best year in probably two, three decades, just, you know, the rivalries going by the wayside, and nobody seems to really care. Um, the, the, the importance of the regular season going by the wayside uh, with a 12-team playoff, I, I don't know, KT. You know me, I love college football, but, man, a part of me, I don't know. I mean, since it wants to be reflective so much of the NFL, I mean, if I want to root for the NFL, just root for the NFL. That is great stuff. Great stuff from Brad Powers. At Brad Powers 7, follow him on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Ken Thompson 87 at SportsX Radio. And uh, couldn't have said it better. In fact, when I talked to Jerry Allen, the voice of the Oregon Ducks, over there at Allegiant Stadium, Jerry's been the voice of the Oregon Ducks for 37 years. And I told him, I said, Jerry, when I walked in his uh, his booth there prior to the game against Washington on Friday and uh, you know got the hug, hadn't seen him in a while, and I said, Jerry, this uh, I, I just got the like the saddest feeling that this is the last Pac-12 game. I, I, I go, it's he goes, he goes. I don't even want to think about it. He goes, I'll probably cry when it's all said and done, and probably wanted to cry a little bit more since Oregon just lost uh, to Washington. But uh, it was just all these people that I know, Roxy Bernstein, a lot of people that have been associated with the Pac-12 forever uh, over a century. This uh, conference has been going strong, and the rivalries and the way it was set up with the Pac-8, then Pac-10, and then they added Utah and Colorado. But before that, the Pac-10, you can't ask for a more perfectly set up geographical conference with Arizona, Arizona State, USC. UCLA, Cal and Stanford, Washington, Washington State, and Oregon, Oregon State. It doesn't get any better than that. And so for the other sports as well. So on the weekend, when a basketball team's going, it'd be a Thursday game in uh, Eugene and a Saturday game in Corvallis or vice versa. And same thing with Pullman and Seattle or Palo Alto and Berkeley and uh, Tucson and Phoenix and then or Tempe, I should say. And then, of course, uh, L.A. with the two L.A. schools, USC and UCLA. But yeah, to see that all fall apart. It was uh, pretty heartbreaking because I've been a USC fan since, uh, gosh, for a half century now. And, uh, you know, actually a little longer than that since I was a little kid. So, uh, yeah, it was heartbreaking. And I was glad I was there. I was glad I was, uh, you know, at that final game. But, yeah, that's that's tough. And when you talk about what's wrong with college football, yes, maybe there were things that we all thought should come to fruition, like uh, players getting some money. Because I watched when I worked for UC Riverside and Long Beach State that we'd go on basketball road trips, and these, these players would take uh, half, two-thirds, or sometimes all of their per diem that they got for meals, and they would pocket it. And they'd starve themselves, even though they had a game, because they wanted to take their girl to the movie on Saturday. And that was a way for them to get 25 bucks. And so I saw that stuff happen. And it, it's, uh, I said, that's not right. And so, okay, you don't want to pay the players. So I was okay with these guys maybe getting a few grand. And even the better players, maybe, you know, five, ten thousand. 10,000. 
you know, a month or something like that. But now it's in the millions. So how hard is it to get, you know, a kid to go to practice that's got more money in his bank account than the coaching staff has. It's pretty, you know, I mean, you don't know. And so it's, yes, it will take away from the game. And then you're going to have, you know, other guys like, why would I go play for a rookie contract in the NFL when I can go back to college and hit the transfer portal and have somebody bid an extra $2 million on me? Because I don't know if I'm ever even going to make it in the NFL, Brad. Yeah, I think that can actually be a positive for the sport to, you know, have, you know, some of the better players play longer. Uh, I the, the paying of the players, I'm not bothered by, really not. I mean, considering that they're putting their bodies at risk. But there should have been a cap. I think, don't you, don't you think there should be? Uh, for Michigan. Okay. Yeah, Do get you... hurt. Uh, I, I'm ta- I, I mean, I, I want some of these high-profile players to, to make as much as possible. I just think you, when you combine that with they can transfer whenever they want without any penalty – I think that that's not necessarily good uh, in that regard. Uh, I, mean, I wouldn't want to be a coach. I think you brought up something really uh, sharp uh, as far as, man, think about being a coach. You moved in, you know, coaches, they move their families consistently. You know, they might be at five different jobs in a 10-year period. But say you've been a, a coach for 10 years and you finally have, you know, worked up to maybe an SEC-level uh, running backs coach and, and you're making three, four hundred grand just being a running backs coach in the SEC, but you've had to grind it through for ten years, moving your family and whatnot. And all of a sudden, the running back that you're coaching, uh, coming out of high school, eighteen years old, and he's making you know a million plus, eighteen uh, year old kid, and you're you're trying to coach him, and he's got more money than you. I don't I don't know if that's going to necessarily sit well, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I don't know. I everyone asks me, what, what do I do? The, the you know, well, what do you think about it? Well, I don't I don't know. Everything's changing, so. Uh, I, and you see today, I mean, we we got uh, legitimate starting quarterbacks. I mean, they hit the portal. I mean, guys that I didn't even dream of hitting the portal uh, today. So uh, I, I don't know. There's just so much uncertainty that it's tough to price it. No doubt about it. Oklahoma, uh, by the way, Dylan Gabriel hitting the transfer portal. Uh, they are very high on their freshman, Jackson Arnold. So I don't even know if they go to the portal, Oklahoma. Well, I'll uh, give you some actual info that the markets overreacted to that. I like Oklahoma in that game. But now let's see how many more players for Oklahoma hit the portal. But uh, they downgraded Oklahoma like seven points. Uh, Jackson Arnold is not a seven-point downgrade uh, from Dylan Gabriel. Yep, no doubt. I've got a buddy that's uh, he's an OU grad, and he knew. He said, look, we've just been waiting our turn to get Jackson Arnold in there. We think he's the real deal, and he's a freshman, so we'll see uh, indeed if he's able to uh, come to fruition. But uh, these are these are rumored uh, destinations, and, and you tell me what you think. Riley Leonard to Notre Dame, you, you agree with that. You mentioned that yourself. Yeah, JT, I think I brought that up to you, what, about six weeks ago. Yep. Evan Stewart to Texas, I saw. Uh, Walter Nolan to Tennessee. Dante Moore from UCLA to Michigan State. DJ. Uh, uh, Dante U- Moore, no. Aiden Child nope. is going to go to Michigan State. Okay. Uh, DJ Uyunglele, uh to Oregon. Oh, I don't know. Uh, Oregon. Yeah, I'm not sure on that one. I think Oregon's got higher aspirations than him. How about Cam Ward to Ohio State? Yeah, I could see that. Ohio State's going to get somebody. They, I mean, they have to upgrade from Kyle McCord. So, yeah, it'd have to be Cam Ward. And I I don't know. Maybe they're in the Dante Moore sweepstakes. Okay, and then you've got others. Uh, Daquan Finn from Toledo. Tyler Van Dyke from Miami. Will Howard from Kansas State. And your old buddy Drew Pine from ASU, formerly Notre Dame. Uh, amongst uh, uh, the other ones you were talking about, McCord. 
uh, earlier today as well. And uh, Dylan Gabriel, we mentioned. So, uh, yeah, a bunch of quarterbacks. And, and you saw Matt Rule, the head coach now of Nebraska, come out and says, uh, look, it's one to two million to find a, you know, a, a good, solid quarterback in the transfer portal. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a lot, but, man, if you're talking about a legitimate starter in college football these days, I mean, I, that doesn't surprise me that that's the going rate. I mean, that probably should be the going rate considering how important they are. I mean, the committee told you how important the quarterback was. They they dropped an unbeaten. I mean, you want to talk about Heisman Trophy, might as well give it to Jordan Travis because, I mean, the committee said, I mean, Jordan Travis is so valuable. Let's get Florida State out of there because he's hurt. Grad, that is great. That That is a clip that should be saved right there. That is fantastic and a great way to go to break. SportsX Radio, update Jacksonville, 28-21. They lead Cincinnati, so the game's already gone over. 52 seconds to go, third quarter. The Jags have the ball back on their own eight-yard line, uh, 28-21. They trailed at 21-14. Browning's having a nice game throwing the football, uh, but they now trail the Bengals 28-21, 10-point dogs, and again the, again, the game's already gone up and over that total. Ken Thompson and Brad Powers, producer Mark Hoke. We will uh, touch on the FCS, and uh, we'll hit the NFL a little bit before we get out of here, but before we do, uh, well, you know what? We'll take the break. We'll come back, and I'll give you that live read on Preventative Diagnostic Center and uh, Dr. John Pierce. Live from Vegas, 101.5 FMK, Dawn streaming live on the Odyssey app. You're listening to SportsX Radio with Ken Thompson, Brad Powers, producer Mark Hoke. We'll be right back, live from Vegas. A little chic coming back here. It is KT on a big show Monday. Mark Oak spinning the hits. A little good times. And uh, KT and Brad Powers not having a good time at Florida State's expense. We'll get back, uh, finish up a little college football, touch on the NFL before we get out of here. Preventative Diagnostic Center demographically, if you're between the ages of 40 and 72, you're pretty fortunate either if you live in the Vegas Valley or if you're coming out to visit us for some time. You can give a call right now, leave your name and number, and uh, have the Preventative Diagnostic Center get back to you with that free educational consultation. Let them know Ken Thompson Sports X Radio sent you. You have the 702 area code. Jot it down right now, 534-7900, 534-7900. The only scanner of its kind in the region. It gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart disease and lung disease. It is PD Center, Preventative Diagnostic Center. Comfortable scan takes just a few minutes. A few days later, you get a detailed report from a board-certified radiologist. Heart CT scan and calcium score special. Doesn't get any better than this. Even if you don't want to get all your organs checked out, which I know you probably do, but get in there and take advantage of the major special that's been going on now. This is year number three. They put this thing together, and it is solid. Get you in the door, and it doesn't get any better than this. You find out about your heart. You get a heart CT scan and calcium score. It's a six hundred dollar value cost you 125 dollars your significant other is absolutely free so the two of you get in there take advantage of this 125 dollars 1200 dollar value make sure the arteries aren't clogging up guys don't get blindsided by that widow maker ladies know that heart disease number one killer of women annually here in the united states 534-7900 pd center lv.com is the website pdcenterlv.com make sure you tell them kt sports x radio sent you i'm with brad powers here halfway through hour number two here on a big show monday and uh really laying in as far as our feelings and again i i did not talk to brad at all i haven't talked to him uh, until just 
tonight on the show. Uh, saw one of his plays that he uh, made as far as a bowl game, and uh, Brad taking his time because there are a lot of uh, potential players that are going to be sitting out and or uh, people that are transferring in this transfer portal. So you got to be careful instead of just jumping on stuff. And there's nobody better than Brad Powers as far as uh, closing line value. Uh, not the greatest year, but he told you right here, he said, uh, there were a couple plays I remember. Boise State, he loved them against UNLV, and Boise State was in control most of that game, took care of business. Uh, there were several other ones that he had. Texas, he said Texas will blow out Oklahoma State. They dominated that game. And uh, look, he didn't get, get them all right, but at the end of the day, uh, you know what? I will have you, Brad, uh, make my plays year in, year out, every year because you put in the work and you are darn good at what you do. And I do appreciate uh, working with you because I learn a lot. Even though you're much younger than me, I've learned a lot from you throughout the years. And it's always fun and entertaining. And I love to go back and listen to the archives so I can indeed understand everything that uh, you snuck in. Because sometimes you get so much information in there and it's uh, kind of subtle that I maybe didn't pay attention to it all because I'm worried about what I'm going to say coming up. So I uh, just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing such a standout job and can't wait to examine the bowls. Uh, but uh, last word as far as those two playoff games, the way they have them set up now, which I'm kind of bummed because I was hoping we could at least have the traditional uh, Michigan-Washington Rose Bowl and get the Big Ten and uh, Pac-12 to close it out, but didn't happen that way. So you get Texas and Washington in the Sugar Bowl, and you get Michigan and Alabama. And, uh, you know, I, I those are two coaches that I dislike the most in Harbaugh and Saban. And, look, I got I got respect. Um, more for Saban uh, probably than Harbaugh because I, I really think this uh, this cheating stuff uh, probably is is pretty in detail, but they haven't gotten into it, and it'll go by the wayside, and he'll probably be in the NFL uh, potentially with a national title under his belt. Uh, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think Michigan will win the game against Alabama unless Milrow chokes. Uh, if he plays anything like he's been playing the last few games, I think Alabama takes care of business. Where are you on that game? Yeah, similar thought process. Uh, look, I mean, obviously I'm really upset with what the committee did, but, I mean, at least on paper we do have two good semifinals. Uh, we'll see if it plays out that way. I know I, I, too, wanted a traditional Big Ten, Pac-12, Rose Bowl to close it out, but I'm sure they're they're okay with Alabama, Michigan, and the Rose Bowl uh, to get a monster TV rating because, hey, that, that's what this is about. It's about TV ratings. It's about money. Uh, speaking of money, I, I think uh, if you want to – Make a positive EV bet. I think Alabama is the side. I would not be a bit surprised Alabama closes a – I'm not saying they're going to close a three-point favorite, but I would not be a bit surprised Alabama closes one and a half here. Uh, I, I think, you know, you're right. Milrow plays a clean game. They're going to win. And then Washington, again, they'd have to play – uh, probably a similar game that they just played against Oregon in the trenches. Uh, Penix Jr. looked healthy, and I left you a message, and I know you probably got it to where I had talked to somebody from uh, that, that was very close to the Washington program about potentially uh, uh, several players and key players, including Michael Penix Jr., uh, being uh, under the weather for uh, several games, including the game in Corvallis in the pouring rain. 
and uh, don't know. Again, I don't know how accurate it is. I'm sure there's people close to the program that could probably attest to that, but uh, they, I guess they didn't want it uh, out there in the open and whatnot, and, and so if it was hidden, it was hidden, but this is something I found out uh, from somebody that, I, again, I, I have a lot of respect for that's very close to the program, and uh, Michael Penix Jr. didn't look like he was hurting at all because initially, you know, you and I talked about it uh, going into the Oregon game, and that may have been, you know, part of the reason that you were uh, leaning heavily on Oregon, number one, Bo Nix was playing outstanding, and Michael Penix Jr. Uh, the last five games had really declined majorly over what he'd put up the first six or seven games. Yeah, uh, and looked looked better magically. Although, I mean, I I don't know what happens in the course of a week. Did not look you know that great there just the week before. It's not like it gradually got better. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously with a month off, you would expect all that stuff that they you know probably were dealing with that to be cleared up. So. A uh, dangerous team, very well-coached team. I just think Texas has shown that they have another gear here. Uh, they showed it early in the season at Alabama, and then I, I think they've showed it the last couple of games. I mean, beating Texas Tech by 50 uh, <laughs> was a statement, and then they made another statement against Oklahoma State. Not that I think those teams are any good, but, I mean, those are bowl teams. And, I mean, they absolutely annihilated them, and uh, – you know, Texas, I, I love the – I think Sark is as good as it gets when it comes to play calling. I mean, I think the distinct – you know, what makes Texas different than maybe even anybody left, they balanced on offense and defense because that defensive front was sweat in the middle. Uh, that's a pretty elite group. So, I, I, I bet Texas here, Casey. I respect DeBoer and I expect, I respect Washington, but I, I like the Longhorns. Yeah, and I will say this, that McMillan healthy – makes that Washington offense much more diverse, much more diverse because he was, I'll just tell you this from the press box, he was open all night and they just missed him on a couple other big plays. Um, He could have, I'm serious. He could have, he was behind the defense twice and uh, one was thrown uh, short and another one was thrown over his head, uh, probably about two yards. uh, That could have been a touchdown. So, uh, you know, that gave Penix Jr. another, uh, another solid weapon that he didn't have for, you know, healthy for at least uh, five or six games during the season. But I agree. And what would be even bigger for college football, I don't think anything, than to have an Alabama-Texas rematch where Alabama's only loss was to the Longhorns in Tuscaloosa. And uh, I think the ratings would be through the roof. I think it may be the highest rated game ever in college football if it was Alabama and Texas. Gonna be tough to beat that Texas USC game, uh, that you know the O five season, O six Rose Bowl. Uh, you had to bring that up, Powers. Come on, man, you got to go back to that game. There's so many things that led to that, and that's kind of (laughs) it's funny because that was kind of the end of an era. That's where you know the SEC started their stuff the very next season. That uh, I mean, that was Keith Jackson's final call. I don't know. That just to me that that that's what was the the epitome of college football. It's kind of been a little bit downhill since then. The only time I ever got mad at Pete Carroll because I said, you know what, I don't care if they beat us, just don't let him run to his right. That's all. I don't care. Make him go left. If he runs it in going left, I'm okay with it. If I could, Just don't let him go to his throwing arm and roll right, and that's exactly what he did. I'm watching this. I'm going, this is sick. They, they lost. They lost. And I knew he was going to make it in. Vince Young, gosh dang it. But, uh, uh, Reggie yeah, Bush it's... needs to be. I don't know if he needs to get the football, but he needs to be in on the play when, when they came Fourth up. Fourth and one? Yeah, fourth and one, Reggie Bush not on the field. Go figure that one out, too, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, a little bit crazy. Uh, BP, real quick, let's jump over to FCS because my producer, Mark Hoke, and I was watching that game. I watched that blocked extra point by North Dakota State at Montana State, uh, and, and all of a sudden a pin dropping outside of the North Dakota State fans that had traveled out to Bozeman. And I, there was just something like in my brain going, nah. And so I just like, and then all of a sudden it, it blocked. And I'm like, just going, no, I go, that's unreal. And I literally tweeted it out right away. And I texted Mark Hoke like within a second after, because I, I figured he's probably watching, but I didn't know because sometimes he's working and he'll go back and watch later or maybe he's listening. And I didn't know. And I just saw that. And I just said, you know what? That's a great organization right there that finds a way to win games. And uh, that was a big time win. And yes, we could have that North Dakota State, South Dakota State rematch from last year and another Jackrabbit win in uh, Frisco but at the end of the day listen, I, got, I got to sneak that in on it but uh, yeah they're playing South Dakota what do you make that line because I've seen 17 and a half on the uh, on the Montana game against Furman on Friday but I did not see any lines out yet so what would you make that line South Dakota beat them during the regular season do you make that a pick them or is North Dakota State the favorite oh North Dakota State will be favored by probably a touchdown on the road all right. Uh, what about South Dakota State over Villanova? Going to be a significant point spread, probably close to three touchdowns. And Albany and Idaho, because Idaho was very lucky to beat Southern Illinois. Southern Illinois' defense is real. Yeah, they were. Uh, the Southern Illinois coach, I was tweeting it. Everybody was tweeting about Florida State and stuff, and I was watching the, <laughs> that late-night game. Uh, I couldn't believe the clock management uh, by the Southern Illinois coach at the end of regulation. Uh Idaho, like, by a touchdown. Yeah, and they probably have a better chance against a team like Albany, that's for sure. Uh, so you got North Dakota State, Idaho, South Dakota State, and Montana, right? Bobby Houck, what a job he's done with that Grizzly team. Yeah, I mean, they turned around. They made a quarterback change in the middle of the season. Cause keep in mind, I mean, they had they dropped a game uh, where they were 17-point favorite, got dominated. They almost lost to Ferris State, a good D2 team. Uh, they were really struggling there. But, yeah, these got to turn around. And I will say this. I mean, obviously last week's game, Montana State, North Dakota State, I mean, I, I mentioned it was like a semifinal game, not a game that's played, you know, in the round of 16. But uh, I'm looking at my power ratings. Eight of the top ten teams are still left. So it's a really good quarterfinal round here. Any? I, I know North Dakota State's a veteran squad that's won it a bunch of times. Any chance of a psychological letdown because you just won in Bozeman and – now you're going to South Dakota, like not no, that I, because they beat you, right? I mean, if, if North Dakota State yeah, had beaten yeah, them during they, the regular they season, beat you earlier this right. year, yeah, they already yeah. beat them, so they should be dialed in. Yeah, it should be fun. All right, take our final break of the night. Come back with Brad Powers and uh, hit the NFL a little bit. BP uh, doing good stuff, and uh, I think he's got a bowl game that he already gave out. I don't know if there's any value left, but uh, we're going to do a bowl special next week, and uh, BP's going to be heading to the Army-Navy game. Uh, BP, real quick, do I have a chance? I know the line's going up, and Army's favorite two-and-a-half. Chicago Bill's licking his chops. He thinks he's going to take me out again. Can Navy do it for me? No, KT, Army's up side. Not, not with great confidence. I haven't released anything yet, but I think Army's decide this week. You're going off that Air Force shutout? No, I wasn't necessarily that. I'm more worried about the, you know, I got to, I haven't deep dived it yet. It's still early. I've been focused on the Bulls, but I mean, I'm a little worried about the Navy quarterback situation. What were they down? A four stringer against SMU uh, last week? Yeah. No doubt, and they got down big time, ended up scoring 14-0 by the way points, but they got buried. By the way, 28-28, 
927 to go fourth quarter. Jake Jeez. Browning for Cincinnati. Jake Browning looking like uh, looking like he's uh, watching this Washington. Uh, he's probably got these Washington-Oregon highlights in his head. He's 24 of 28 for 300 yards and a touchdown. He's only been sacked one time. Trevor Lawrence has thrown for 208 and two touchdowns, and he's been sacked once as well. Jacksonville only 53 yards rushing on 19 carries. Cincinnati 104 yards rushing on 21 carries. So the Bengals right now, so far so good if you got the points. Game flying over the total, but 28-28 on Monday Night Football. SportsX Radio, Ken Thompson, Brad Powers. We come back, wrap things up. Keep it right here, 101.5 FMK Dawn, streaming live on that Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, live from Vegas. We'll be right back. Fats Domino, baby. I'm walking. Big Show Monday. Mark Oak spinning the hits here. KT, Brad Powers finishing things up on a Big Show Monday. Miss any part of the show? Use that rewind feature that Odyssey offers. A-U-D-A-C-Y free worldwide app. Download it now. Or follow at KenThompson87 at SportsX Radio, and I'll have the archives pinned about 45 minutes after the program. Uh, update real quick. St. Louis, after the first period at the Fortress, leading our Golden Knights one nothing. Knights on a two-game winning streak, went off a minus 196 the total. But the Blues have the only goal after one. Arizona, after two, added a goal, 6 nothing. Looks like a tennis score, a little 6-love on Washington. Other four games final, Montreal did double up on Seattle, 4-2. to 2-1 Winnipeg, also doubling up on Carolina at home in Manitoba, 2-1. 4 nothing Tampa shut out Dallas at home and Philly, a 2-1 home win at Pittsburgh. So it looks like all the home teams are going to win. Let's hope the Golden Knights come back and win that game to make it 6 out of 6. 22-21, Cal Poly slow leads in Corvallis over Oregon State. 3.35 to go first half on the hardwood. College basketball, only five games. Other games as far as uh, D1 action, Purdue blew out Iowa. Big time, Edie had a big night, 87-68. 97-83, Arkansas beat Furman, get the win in the cover there in Fayetteville. Alabama, 89-65, win by 24, but laying 26. Arkansas State, the Red Wolves come back, get a backdoor cover. And North Dakota State at home, a win and a cover of the three points at home. 83-78, they beat San Jose State. East Carolina, 63-52, beat Maryland Eastern Shore, but did not get the cover in that game. And then uh, as far as NBA, Pacers surprised the Celtics shorthanded, 122-112. to 112. Stays under the 244.5, but they were 4.5-point dogs. They get the win, and the Pelicans lead the Kings right now in Sacktown. 8.45 to go first half, 43-37. And again, tied at 28 with 8 minutes to go. Bengals and Jags from Jacksonville. Jags closed, minus 10. Total is 41. You're already sitting at 56. Brad Powers with me. BP, uh, very impressive Sunday night game by Jordan Love. The best he's looked, and uh, they took care of business. They were able to hold on. I know a controversial no call there at the end on Valdez Scantling should have been pass interference, but also the uh, personal foul a couple plays earlier. Uh, or with Mahomes going out of bounds, there was no personal foul. He got hit in the shoulder, got hit hard, and he was still in bounds, so should have never been called. Uh, but really, one of the more impressive games uh, that Green Bay's played. Now they find themselves sitting at six and six in their last five games. They have one team at five hundred, and the other four teams well under five hundred. So you know they they should be able to go you know three and two, four and one, and uh, potentially make the playoffs there in the NFC. Yeah, I mean, surprising. Uh, a lot of it has, has to do with their improvements on the offense uh, side. Uh, you know, started to find their way a little bit in that Chargers game and really, you know, showed out early on in that Detroit game. Shocked many, including myself. So, 
uh, you know, th- three straight outright wins for them. I thought, you know, uh, you know, they even go back, they probably should have won the Steelers game. Uh, and then, you know, beat a, what turned out to be a pretty good Rams team by 17. So they're playing about as well as anybody in the NFL right now. And, uh, uh, Surprising, because I certainly didn't see it with how bad they were at the start. Lions got a big lead. Hold on, beat the Saints 33-28. Derek Carr got knocked out of that game. Jameis Winston uh, did what he could and Taysom Hill, but uh, Lions still get the win. They go to 9-3. and three. That's impressive stuff. How good is Detroit? Uh, are they, They're still they're good, but you don't have them playoff-wise good enough to beat Philly or San Fran? I, I concur. I, I would even... I mean, depending on what Dallas team, it, it, you know, it, it, you know it, what they are, I, I would even have them behind the, the, the Cowboys. So fourth best team in the NFC right now, my power ratings. Pretty dominant victory by San Francisco, able to pull away. Debo Samuel really looked healthy for the first time. And Brock Purdy, when Samuel plays and, and uh, Williams there at uh, left tackle, very, very solid. Uh, 314. And four touchdowns for Brock Purdy. He looked comfortable. McCaffrey, his usual self, uh, 93 yards rushing and a touchdown, 40 yards receiving. Uh, but having a healthy Samuel shows that that team's clicking on all cylinders. And as Chase Young gets more and more uh, in sync there with the rest of that defense, including Nick Bosa, uh, that team's going to be lethal. And there's a reason that they're the favorites in everybody's book. Yeah, I mean, you would still like to get home field advantage. I mean, they're still a game behind the Eagles. I know they own the tiebreaker, but they still got to catch them in that regard. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, if we're talking a power rating, I mean, forget the NFC, the entire NFL. I I would have San Francisco right now probably a three-point favorite over anybody on a neutral. All right, so Mark Hoke letting me know, and I just saw the replay. uh, Trevor Lawrence, a really weird uh, injury. He's down. Uh, one of the opposing players stepped on his like foot, ankle, was bent back, and then he went back even further, and he's down now, and uh, guys are down. I don't know if it's anything uh, catastrophic, but it could be. It was that type of ugly look, so we'll wait and see uh, before speculating. But it does. It, 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 he's definitely not going to finish this game, I could tell you. Uh, I just, you know, hoping that it's not something that's going to keep him out for the rest of the year. We'll wait and see how all that plays out in just a little bit. They're on commercial. Uh, Texans found a way to hold off the Broncos. Got rather ugly there in the second half, uh, but they got it done. And C.J. Stroud, uh, you know, not a great game, but good enough and has really played well as a rookie. Yeah, I mean, they continue uh, to defy expectations. I mean, a lot of people thought uh, they'd be picking at the top of uh, the draft yet again, just like they were this past season, but uh, uh, looking more and more with each passing week like a playoff team. Yeah, and Gardner Minshew, man, some old-school Gardner Minshew. Looked like he was up at Wazoo winging that ball around. Michael Pittman Jr. gets the game winner, had 11 receptions. Alec Pierce, the kid at a Cincinnati big-time game with three receptions for 100 yards, and uh, both those guys got in the uh, end zone, and the Colts win it in OT as they get the TD after Tennessee kicks the field goal. 31-28, Colts are 7-5 and five all of a sudden. Yeah, that was one that hurt me. I had Tennessee. So, uh, you know, overtime didn't do me any wonders when I had Tennessee plus one. But, uh, yeah, yeah, another team. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I know teams are defying expectations and whatnot. I just see a lot of mediocrity is what I see <laughs> in a lot of the NFL this year, KT. All right, uh, Dolphins routed the Commanders. No surprise here. Tyreek Hill 
a couple more touchdowns, five receptions, 157. To me, uh, that that's where my money's at as far as the AFC. But there's a big game coming up with KC losing to Green Bay last night, and they're sitting at 8-4. and four. Not that they're in danger in the AFC West because they're not, but overall as far as uh, just where they're sitting because there's two 9-3 and three teams in the other uh, divisions. But Jacksonville looking like they could go down tonight. But what's your take on – uh, Kansas City at home with Buffalo coming off a bye because Buffalo's backs are against the wall and they played a great game their last time out. They just they lost in Philly in a crazy overtime game. Buffalo has to start winning games and they lose that one. They're in a lot of trouble. Do you like Buffalo going to KC or do you think Mahomes and company? I do. Yeah, I like this? the Bills all right. I like the Bills all right. Okay, I, I, we're on the same page there. Uh, Steelers uh, finally came back to bite him. I mean, Kyler Murray and company played yeah. good enough. And I'll tell you what, McBride's one heck of a tight end. You watched him at college. You told me he was going to be good, and uh, that kid can flat-out play. Yeah, I mean, you knew sooner or later. I mean, the Steelers, I mean, the first eight games of the season were outgained, and somehow they had a winning record. And, you know, I just finally catching up with them a little bit. You, you thought they made improvements on offense, uh, but I guess not so much. Uh Got a lot of issues there for a team with seven and five. There you go. All right, BP. Uh, listen, have a great time at the Army Navy game. Get me some good pictures, especially if Navy wins, so I can show them to Chicago Bill up close and personal. But uh, you know what? Main thing is is taking that historic event. Uh, well, I'm going to try and see if we can't uh, get out there next year. Both me and Chicago Bill. He'll be the big eight zero next year. So right around when that game goes down. So uh, we're going to try and make it out there. But Brad, always appreciate your time, and I uh, look forward to hitting up on the bowl games with you. And uh, great stuff, man. As always, appreciate you big time, folks. At Brad Power, or just Brad Power Sports. I mean, get his bowl games, get all the stuff that he's got left for the rest of the season. Trust me, he's going to have a big bowl season, and uh, he is stellar. And win or lose, the guy always comes on like a true professional and gives you all the information. His newsletter is second to none. His power rankings are better than anybody's I know. And he's just top of the line, and he's as great a person as he is a handicapper, and I just appreciate him. Brad Powers, you're awesome, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me as always, KT. There you go. Great stuff. And that'll do it on a big show Monday. Uh, Mark Hoke, real quick, any update on uh, on Lawrence? Okay, limping back to the locker room. Okay, so hopefully they didn't bring out the cart, so uh, uh, maybe not as catastrophic as, as it initially looked. Uh, Cincinnati has the ball. 28-28, they go down near the four-minute mark, and you'll be able to uh, find out how that game panned out tomorrow night. Back here, PSBR Law Studios. Looking forward to that. Going to hope I might have a little surprise for Mark Hoke with one of my guests tomorrow. Uh, We'll talk some more FCS football about his bison as uh, they continue to strive forward and play good football. And uh, they try try and set up a date and avenge that loss in the championship game last year to South Dakota State. They're our travel. That'll make for more fun for me and the Hokester. But uh, appreciate everybody listening. You listeners are fantastic. Thanks to Brad Powers. Thanks to producer Mark Hoke. And uh, we'll be back at it tomorrow. Till then, you know the rules. No drinking and driving. No texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. God bless you. Live from Vegas Sports X Radio, 101.5 FM Dawn. Streaming live on that Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Archives up in just a little bit. Or use the Rewind feature on Odyssey. God bless, folks. Have a great evening. We'll talk to you tomorrow night on a fat Tuesday. Good night, everybody.